This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So the title today is this. It's Keys to End Times Thriving. Keys to End Times Thriving. Now, when God started laying some things on my heart, I I was going to kind of call this Keys to End Times Survival. But then I thought about it like, I have never just wanted to be a survivor. Like, oh man, we survived life. We made it. We barely made it through, but we survived. I'm not a survivor. I'm a thriver. Amen. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I'm coming and when I'm going. I am the head and not the tail. I'm always above. Well, that sounds arrogant. I'm not talking about because of me. I'm talking about because of the one that I serve. Jesus, amen, died so I don't have to just barely survive, but so that we can thrive in this life. And in fact, the book of Isaiah talks about how in the end times, gross darkness shall cover the earth for the people of this world. But it says that for the people of God, for the people in the kingdom of God, it'll get brighter and brighter with the glory of God. And that's what I'm aiming for. Amen. That's what I'm going for. And so even in the midst of crazy times, you can still thrive. You can still you can still stick out better than ever. In fact, the light shines brightest when it's in the darkest times, right? If I were to light a match right now in this bright room, people would be like, well, that's not that impressive. That didn't do anything. But you turn off all these lights, and there's no windows on this building, as you can see, just in the back there. But I'm telling you, if you're in here without the lights on, this place is like a cave. If I were to light one match, you would be like, wow. That light is really bright. It's shining because it sticks out the best. And I'm telling you right now that the light of Jesus within you, if you will let this little light shine right now in this time, people are going to notice and people want answers and you're going to have the answers because you've got the word of God. Can I get an amen today? Amen. So we're talking about keys to end times thriving. Now, to even get anywhere in this message, we first have to establish the point that we literally are living in what the Bible refers to as the end times. Now, if, if you don't believe that, then I'm, I'm sorry uh, for you, but it's quite obvious to anybody that studied scripture to any length that we are in the end times. And I used to preach about it and I used to talk about it and it was true. But as of this year, it seems like the, the, like the, the snowball rolling downhill is gathering more and more speed. It's speeding up at an accelerated rate. And so I was just sitting down a couple days ago and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to jot down a few things that come to mind that I've seen already in 2020. And I took 30 seconds and wrote a list of, I don't know, eight things right here that are, I'm like, man. This is so obvious what's going on right now. And so I put these on the screen there. But 2020 has been a year of biblical proportions, to say the very least, right? I mean, there's not much argument there. But we've seen some undeniable Bible prophecy fulfilled even in the last six months, right? In fact, this Sunday marks about six months since the big quarantine first started back in March, all right? And so here's just a few things I, I off the top of my head thought of. I didn't even have to spend hours in prayer to get this. This is just the most blatant, obvious stuff, and there's more there. But first of all, number one, Jesus said there would be horrible plagues and epidemics to hit the world right before he comes back, Luke 21, 11. Horrible plagues and epidemics, and that refers to disease and things of that nature. Well, we've seen it. The second thing he said is there would be an overwhelming fear take place, and that's Luke 21, verse 26. Overwhelming fear. And that's one of the things that I've seen so much this year, because 
because fear is such a nasty tool of the devil that can control really good people if they will submit to fear. And it will cause you to do things and not do things that God wants you to do. But you're like, no, no, I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't possibly. Fear is a tool of the devil. And Jesus said that people, well, they would be melting in the, the fear of the terror that's gripping their hearts. Right. And then another thing, he said, we'd be having fires. The clouds of clouds in the sky and fires on the earth below Acts 219. Well, earlier, the first part of 2020, over 13 million acres of Australia burned. 13 million acres. Come on. That is I mean, that would be a big portion of the entire United. That is that is a lot of acreage to burn right there. And we're used to I mean, I've lived here 13 years. We've got what well, we got uh, winter, summer, fire season, wind season. Right. And and the earth, wind and fire, something like that. And, we, and we've got you know, I mean, we, it's just like it's part of life. But. I, I just noticed that it's been kind of crazy this year, and we're already on track. In fact, I think we've already had the most acreage burned already in California history this year, and we're early in the fire season. As of Thursday, over 3.2 million acres of our state have burned. And it's only September. Come on. And now, are we rooting for this stuff? No, I'm just saying Jesus said some of this stuff was going to happen, and now it's happening, yet there's still people with their head in the sand saying, I don't know, man, I don't really think this is, I don't think anything's actually going on. It's just coincidence. When you've got 8, 10, 12, 15, 40, 50 things happening that Jesus said would happen, that's not a coincidence. That's the fulfillment of Scripture. Can somebody say amen? I mean, come on, we aren't even stretching this stuff. Um he said, uh, number four, there'd be racial conflicts, Matthew 24. He said nation would go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Kingdom refers to actual uh, countries of this world. Nation is the Greek word ethnos, and that means ethnic groups. Number five, he talked about clouds of smoke. Every morning I wake up, and we've got an upstairs room now. I open up the curtains to say, what's the forecast today? Oh, yeah, it's another day of smoke in Barstow, Right? Every day, clouds of smoke. And when I originally studied this out in prophecy, I thought more or less, and, I, and, and it is referring to this, but clouds of bombs and, and nuclear warfare. And I believe that for sure. But I see clouds of smoke every day, and I live in Barstow. There's not even anything to burn here, but it's happening. So come on. It's, it's getting real. Uh, for number six, he said Christians would be arrested and persecuted. Now, I've seen this all over the world my entire life. Right. I mean, we see people die for. But now it's starting to get a little bit close to home. Anyone else? I mean, you you I mean, come on. In, in April, I saw this church in Mississippi. They decided to go ahead. and uh, No, maybe it was May. They, it was May. They opened their doors. Somebody got mad at them. Uh, you're going to you're going to kill people. They burned their church building down because they dared to go to church. We've got pastors, especially in California, facing fines and jail time. They told us we can't have home Bible studies. We can't sing together. We can't take communion together. I can't put oil on my hands and lay hands on the sick anymore because I would, unless I've got six foot arms, which I don't, I've got a pretty decent wingspan, but they are not six feet long people. And so I'm telling that, and, and, or else we, we get tickets. We go to jail. We, and all this stuff. I, and, and we were like, well, I know that happens in the Middle East, but now stuff's starting to happen here and it's getting a little bit more real, isn't it? 
All of this is predicted in Scripture. And then, of course, Revelation 13 begins to tell us about the mark of the beast and a one. You know, I'm not trying to get too deep. This isn't even my message. So this isn't a prophecy message, but but it's starting to go that way. So uh, but but this this Antichrist shows up and, and gets this whole one world uh, economy, this whole one world government going on and moves towards a cashless society where you can't buy or sell unless you've got his mark. And so anyway. I, it's just happening. I'm not even going to go into detail on that. But the biggest thing that's happened in 2020, and I, I don't care who you are, what you say, the biggest thing the Bible talks about is the nation of Israel. And my gosh, in the last three to four weeks, we've seen big things happening with Israel, where they are literally, the United States, negotiating peace treaties between Israel and Islamic nations. I know. I mean, I didn't think I'd see that in my lifetime where you'd get these guys to sit down together and, and, and come to peace deals. The United Arab Emirates and, and all these different countries, they're adding more to the list. And, and I was just a little bit ago reviewing my sermon as the Wall Street Journal yesterday put out a report talking about Saudi Arabia once in on the deal. Now, they like, we want to come to peace with Israel ourselves. But the, the head, the old guy that's the biggest, you know, higher up is arguing apparently with his son, who's the next in line, about if they want to get in on this peace deal with Israel and the United States. So what is any, what, 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 what is that? Why do you care? What does that have to do with you? Well, I'm telling you right now that one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle is that the temple in Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. It has to for all this to take place. And and as of 2017, when the United States and several other countries began moving their embassies to Jerusalem and saying, no, this is this is their real capital. You know, that's that's cute over there in Tel Aviv. But we're talking about Jerusalem has been their capital for thousands of years. We're going to recognize that. The ball started rolling real quick, people. And as of right now, as of right now, with all these nations starting to have peace agreements, you know, we know that that won't last forever. But as it's happening right now, that's paving the way for a deal to take place for the Jews to be able to rebuild Solomon's temple in Jerusalem. And that right there, I mean, if we see that happen in our lifetime, my God, you just stand outside and look to the sky the entire time because it'll be any second now. And so, you know, I'm not that's not my sermon, but all I'm trying to prove to you before I get to my sermon is this, is that we are in what Jesus and the rest of the prophets in the Bible told us would be the end times. It's real. And this is not the time to be playing games, flip flopping on God, being one foot in, one foot out, being half baked, lukewarm, not ready to go. You need to be ready to go at a moment's notice. Amen. Don't let that moment catch you off guard. Be ready because he is coming soon. And I say that every sermon now, and I feel like some people don't believe me yet, but I'm going to keep saying it until somebody gets it. Jesus is coming back really, really soon. So with all that said, what do we do in the meantime? I'm going to tell you how to thrive in the end times. All right. Now, I've just got two points here and next week I'm going to tag on to it. But end times keys for thriving. Number one. God's word. Well, we've heard that before. Give us something exciting. Man, if you can't get excited about God's word, what's wrong with you? That you hold in your hand the holy written word of God, the words of Jesus himself 
People have died for this book, man. And I'm going to talk about that later. But there's nothing that excites me more than the word of God. I give every day of my life to this thing. I wake up early. I go to bed late. I do whatever I've got to do to see what Jesus is saying to me through his word that day. There is nothing better in this world than a Christian that has a Bible and knows how to use that Bible. Amen. And so we're talking about God's word. Let's look at Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. Amen. Can we get a little excitement for God's word? I mean, it's the word of God. Yeah. Leah knows what's going on. Psalm 119, verse 105. And we're talking about how we as Christians can absolutely thrive and dominate in this end time season. And I mean, I got to tell you that. I know there's crazy stuff going on. It's been a wild world for this year, but God has been so good to me and my family and, and he's, he's blessed us. He, I'm in the best health I've ever been in. I mean, I, I'm the most blessed financially I've ever been. Our church is more blessed than it's ever been. It's been a wonderful year for those that are sticking close to God. I know so many of you, you've had incredible things happen to you this year and it's been the hand of God because uh, those that abide under the shadow of the Almighty, right? He is going to take care of you. Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I just feel so lost right now. Man, turn the light on. I'm stumbling around like I don't know what's going to happen. Now. Well, I, I just feel so lost. Turn the light on, man. It changes everything. It'll guide your feet. It'll light up the path in front of you. Well, I don't know where to go next. Turn the light on. It'll it'll light up the whole path. You'll know what to do next. But don't sit there about uh, complaining about being in the dark when you've got the switch to turn it all on right here. His word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Now, one thing that's become very apparent to me this year is that there are actually no experts. Now, I, I kind of had a hunch for years that there were no experts for all this stuff because, one, you know, one year, oh, don't drink coffee, that stuff, that'll, that'll kill you, they'll, they'll give you cancer. Then the next year, you have to drink coffee. The antioxidants in that are vital for human survival. Okay, so, okay, so do drink it. Uh, don't ever, don't touch eggs, don't even look at eggshells, man, that'll, that stuff will give you cancer. Then the next year, if you don't eat eggs, you're going to die right now. Put one, eat, eat it right now, now, now. Okay, what's going on? And then this year, I mean, if you're trying to follow the experts, you're doing this. Like, what's going on? You're getting dizzy because they keep changing their mind every week. I'm like, put it on. No, take it off. Uh, 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 no. And we're all over the place right now because the experts don't know what they're talking about. But one thing I've noticed this year that hasn't changed, it's been this. This is saying, I'm reading the same verses that I read in 2019, and they say the exact same thing. I'm reading the same verses I read in 1998, and they're saying the exact same thing. And so I'm telling you that we, if you're going to thrive, you're going to have to stick with something stable. And there's not a lot of stability right now, but Jesus is stable, and the Word of God is 
stable. All right. So let's look over to Isaiah chapter 40, verse eight. And so with so much instability, instability leads to confused people and confused people are dangerous because they do crazy things. Uh, you ever noticed that? I worked with this girl that she wouldn't use deodorant because she thought it caused cancer, but she smoked like five packs of cigarettes a day. And I'm like, I'll take, you know, I'll take my chances with the deodorant. And we wish that she had taken her chances too, okay? Because it was noticeable. You could tell. You could tell that she didn't believe in deodorant. So I'm here to preach the Bible, but I'll preach deodorant too. You need that stuff, man. That'll change, change your life and those around you, all right? Now, of course, if they're distancing, maybe they can't smell it from six feet out. But I, that's up to you. Isaiah 40 and verse 8. And here's a, a verse that, man, maybe you've heard this, but it rings so much truer for me now than it ever did. Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Aren't you glad about that? Man, that makes me happy. You know, the, 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 the grass may, may fade and, and the flowers, they may end up withering and, and, and this may go down and this that may go down, but the word of our God, it's not going down. It's going to stand forever. And you know, I was noticing how many things in my life that, that I grew up with or maybe you grew up with that they just don't exist anymore because that's how much the world has changed. Do you guys remember cassette tapes and CDs? Gone. Dude, they're gone. You can't even find those things anymore. Uh, uh, my son got this camera that takes film, and I'm like, where do you, where do you find film for it? That, gone. It's gone. It's gone. You gotta search high and low to find film for a camera. Uh, you guys remember pay phones? You would, some of you, okay. For you little guys, there was, they had this little, Tony, you remember this, right? So what would, apparently you would go in, and you would drop a coin into the phone, and then you could, you could dial it, and it wasn't touch screen. You just pushed these buttons that pushed in. It was, Mind-blowing, mind-blowing fun. And in fact, I found out with my buddies you could do prank phone calls to 1-800 numbers. But kids, you just, all right. Phone books. Who remembers phone books? I mean, I, I think, I think they're gone already. Maybe they're around. But, but how about newspapers? There's a few left, but most of those are stinking gone. Why? Because things change. And, and, and how about some of your favorite stores from childhood? They're gone because Amazon showed up and said, have a nice day. Get to stepping. They're gone. They shut them down. Why? Because things change, but the word of God doesn't change. In fact, Paul said in Timothy that I may be in chains right now. Timothy, but the word of God cannot be chained. Nobody can stop this thing, even though they've been trying for years and years and years and years. And like I said, many people have given their lives. They've given everything so you could have a Bible that you could read for yourself. Now, I say that and it flies over so many people's heads. But you don't realize the gift that there are people in countries at this very moment that they would give anything for just one page out of a Bible. And I've heard that. I mean, you know, especially back in the former Soviet Union, people would, if they could just get one page of a Bible, they'd pass it around the neighborhood. They'd pass it to their family and friends. They'd do anything they could just to have a little piece of God's word. I've got 66 books of the Bible right here in my hand that I can read any time, day or night that I want to. And you don't think that I'm not thankful for that, that people died and got burned alive so I could have this in English in 2020? 
Man, I'm thankful that people gave their life for it. You know, a, a couple of examples real quick. You guys know I like history, so at the risk of boring you, I want to tell you something about a guy named John Wycliffe. He firmly believed that the Bible should be available to everybody. You shouldn't have to be rich. You shouldn't have to sneak it around. You should be able to have the Bible in your language no matter what. And although little portions of the Bible had already been translated into English, there was no complete translation of the Bible into English. And so if you were just a regular person that didn't speak Latin or uh, or you weren't able to read, you could only learn what the priest told you. And so if they said, yeah, it says right here uh, that you're supposed to give me all your money, so just do it, right? It says it. And you have no idea. You couldn't refute that because you couldn't read the Bible because it wasn't in your language. It says right here that you need to. And, and, and so there was all, all sorts of mass confusion and difficulties and issues. And people are like, we want to know for ourselves. We want a Bible that we can read for ourselves. And so Wycliffe in the 1300s began the, the process. It took him 13 years, but he finally translated the Bible in its entirety into English. Now, he died shortly thereafter, and, and the, the Pope at the time was so angry at, at this guy for doing this that he had his bones dug up and burned and then thrown his ashes into the river because he hated him so much for getting the Bible into English where everybody could just read it for themselves. So later on, fast forward to the 1500s, we've got a man named William Tyndale, and as far as the English Bible is concerned, you guys need to know this, and you need to be able to say, Thank you, William. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Willie, for doing your job and getting this thing done so I can have a Bible. But he was the most high profile uh, 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 interpreter of the scripture that we know. But he was murdered and he was burned at the stake for it. And, and, and he gave his entire life because even with the other translation, it wasn't getting available to the people. You could get it on the black market or you could get a snuck out copy. But he's like, no, we need a mass produced Bible that everybody that speaks. English can read for themselves. They will know the truth and the truth shall set them free if they could just get this Bible. They, if they could just get a Bible. And so he gave, in fact, they, one of his best friends that he thought betrayed him to the authorities and he was burned at the stake in the late 1500s just for translating a Bible into English. And his last words were, as he was burning alive, were, God opened the king of England's eyes. And he died with that. But what he ended up doing in the end, uh, his translation accounts for 84% of our New Testament in English in the King James and 75% of the Old Testament. He gave his life for that. And so it hurts me to see that somebody would have a Bible this readily available to them in the end times and not read it. That somebody with all this going on around us would have the, the lamp for their feet, the light for their path, the book that people died and were burned alive for. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just not in the mood today. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm not getting that vibe. You know what I mean? I, it's just you're not getting the vibe. What, what is wrong with you, man? I don't need a vibe to read the word of God. I just need to be a born again Christian. And I'm telling you right now that you need to have a desire for God's word on the inside of you because this will show you what to do next when things begin to actually get difficult. And so I've got this, I think it's on the screen, two major keys for you to grow from the word and you need to get this, all right? Number one, major keys for you to grow. Quit trying to change the Bible to be more like you and start changing you to be more like the Bible. 
Well, I would, but I just, I don't know, just there's so much in there that I just don't, I mean, if, if it could say it this way, and, 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 and the Bible, it, it, it's not, it's not here to, to care about your feelings, it's here to change you and save your life and tell you what to do. Now, sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true, and it's going to save your life, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, people twist that verse, oh, the truth will set you free. No, it's not that the truth just comes and smacks people around and sets them free. It's when you know the truth, then the truth shall set you free. Amen? And so, quit trying to change the Bible to be more like you and start changing you to be more like the Bible. And the second thing, this is so important for us as Christians in 2020, refuse to elevate your personal opinion or experience above God's word. Because that's what so many people do. Well, I know it says that, but honestly, in my experience, what? You have the audacity? You have the, the guts to say, well, I know the scripture does say that, but I'm just telling you, in my experience, that didn't happen. In my experience, we went ahead and did this and, 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 and nothing happened and, 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 and this is, I'm just telling, I know it says that and that's good. I, I, I get that. But my opinion is this. When we begin to elevate our opinion or our personal experience over God's word, we are on our way for a very bad, rude awakening at some point. Brother Hagin used to say, I, if I lay hands on a hundred people and every single one of them don't make it, every single one of them dies, you know what I'm going to say? All right, next in line, I'm going to go ahead and pray for you next. Why? Because the word of God says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It says, if you're sick, to call for the elders of the church, let them anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So I believe that the name of Jesus and prayer heals people still today. Have I prayed for anybody that didn't make it? Yes. But I don't know what happened. I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to say, well, it must not have been God's will because that would be a slap in the face to God who says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. So I don't dare say, well, I don't know, God, you messed something up there. Your word's not. I'm not going to say that. I have no idea why I've prayed for some people and they haven't made it. But I can tell you this much. There's been a whole bunch of people that we've laid hands on and seen them rise up off of their deathbeds. But there's no way, no way that I'm going to say, I know it says that, God, but I tried it and it, it didn't happen for me. Then I don't know what happened, but I don't have the audacity to tell God your word's a lie. You said it. You didn't back it up. Something got screwed up along the way uh, somewhere. We'll find out someday. But I don't have the guts to tell God that his word isn't true. And I don't want to tell him that because I love the word of God. And I love that it tells me I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It tells me that if I endure to the end, I get a crown of righteousness in heaven someday. Come on. Listen. God's word is a major key to your end times success. And you can't change it to fit you. You've got to change to fit it. The second thing I'm going to say is this. Number two, I just got two points today. Number two is you need to get a hold of and know God's voice. You need God's word and you need to know God's voice. I'm working on this, man. I want to know the voice of God more and more and more. And it is crucial for us. That we know how to listen to the voice of God. Not just hear it, 
but to listen to it. You guys know there's a difference between hearing and listening? Ladies, now's your time to say amen because your husbands probably do this all the time. I heard you. I heard you. What I say? I mean, I was I something about I I don't know what say because we heard, but we weren't always actually listening. There's a difference, okay? And so you may be in here today and you're hearing the word of God, but are you actually listening to what Jesus is saying to you today? And the exact same church service, it's incredible to me. Two people in the exact same service heard the exact same message. Some person goes out and like, man, that was life changing. I know exactly what I need to do. Somebody else, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I just wasn't feeling it today. I didn't get anything out of that. Was it because the word just wasn't? No, the same word was preached to all. But to him that has an ear to hear, let him hear. You need to have spiritual ears to hear what God's trying to say to you right now. And so you need to know the voice of God. John chapter 10, verse 27. Look there with me. John 10 and verse 27. But it is so important that God's children learn to hear and listen to his voice. If you feel God saying, don't go there today, you better listen. I'm telling you, if you hear God saying, you need to go over here and talk to this person, you better listen. This is not normal times anymore. This is serious stuff. If you hear God saying, keep a closer eye on your kids today, don't let them out of your sight, you better listen. Grandparents, if you, I mean, seriously, especially with our, if you, if God's saying, no, don't, don't send them today. Don't, don't, don't let them get that one. Don't, 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 don't take them over there. You better learn to listen to the voice of God in 2020. And it is possible. But John 10, verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so what is a key sign if you're a sheep of Jesus that you listen to his voice and follow him? I mean, I'm one of his sheep, but I don't ever know. I don't ever hear nothing from him. And, And well, that's strange because Jesus said his sheep listen to his voice. He knows who they are, and then they follow him. If you're a sheep of Jesus, if you're a disciple, you better learn how to listen to the voice of the good shepherd somewhere along the way. It could save your life. It could save your kids' lives. It could set you up for success or put you down for failure if you don't know how to. And so it is key that we learn the voice of Jesus. I was reading an article from Andrew Womack. Uh, he's a, a teacher in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. But he was telling this story how many years ago he had booked to, to go preach at a church in Costa Rica. And he was excited. He wanted to get down there. He would preached there several times before. And he was like, man, this is going to be great. I can't wait. He had it circled on his calendar, even though he preached everywhere else. He was excited about this one. But on the inside, he just started feeling, no, you, you can't go. No. He's like, no, no, I'm going. I keep my word. I'm going. And but the, the closer that the date got... Don't go, don't go. And on the inside, he didn't hear a voice with his ears, but just on the inside, he felt this uneasiness, this, this, this really a, a, a warning on the inside, don't go. So he wanted to go so bad that he said he took one day and prayed over 17 hours in one day. God, why? Let me go. God never told him why, but he called the church and said, guys, I can't come. I just, I don't, I just can't come. So a few weeks later, he looks on the news, and the exact same flight that he had booked to go there crashed upon takeoff from Mexico City, and all 169 people on board died. 
he would have been on that flight. God didn't say, the flight you are going to be on is going to crash and burn. He just said, don't go. Well, to the average Christian, they'd be like, I don't know. You better give me a reason or else I'm going to. And I'm telling you, as end times Christians, you need to know the voice of God. Well, what does it sound like? Well, I've never heard a booming audible voice out of the sky, though that could happen. It does happen to some people, but I've never had that happen. But I have had what I'm going to show you right here in 1 Kings 19. Let's look at 1 Kings 19. And this is about the prophet Elijah. A very bad woman named Jezebel had decided within the next 24 hours, I want this prophet killed. And so she put out a she put a, a hit out on his head. He gets scared and he runs. He flees. And he's like, God, why? I've served you. I've done this for you. And now this is going to happen. It's not fair. And so he takes off running. And, and, and so anyway, there was an order of events. 40 days, 40 nights later, he ends up on Mount Sinai, okay? And he's out there, and he's talking to God. Man, Israel, God, I've given everything for them, and you have, and they still, they won't listen, and it's not fair. And, and he's going through all this. First Kings 19, verse 11. First Kings 19, verse 11. This, so this is God talking. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold... The Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. That's strange. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. That voice was the Lord. And Elijah was thinking, okay, God's going to talk. It's going to be something big. And so he hears a mighty wind. That's going to be God. That's big. Then he had an earthquake. Well, that's going to be God. Then a fire breaks out. That, but he was looking in all these spectacular areas and, and looking for some big, strong sign. But it wasn't any of those things. God spoke to him in a still, small voice. The New Living Translation calls it, God spoke in a gentle whisper. And I'm telling you that God will speak to you in the still, small voice, the gentle whisper, a lot more often than through some tornado ripping through and and some fire breaking out. and, and, And God could do it in a big, spectacular, booming way. Sure he could. But most often, he's going to speak to you. And and, and there may be distractions. You're going to say, you know what? Shut all that off. I need to hear God. And on the inside, you're going to feel something saying, don't do it. I know you want to move there. Don't move there. Stop. Quit fooling yourself. It's not going to be better. It's going to be worse. Stop it. Or, 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 or say, man, I, I wish I could just take this over here or go do this. And on the inside, you feel, don't do it. I'm telling you right now, this is not the time to be disobeying the voice of God. This is the time. This is the hour for God's people to learn to listen to his voice. You need God's word You need God's voice if you're going to make it through the end times, but thrive through the end times. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.